why are you here on this weekend? So I'm just new, I'm just gonna catch up on stuff. I uh, just wanted to be here. Well, you don't need to be doing that. You know, you can do all of your best work in five days of the week. You know, you don't need to spend seven days to do your work. This person really cared for each employee, making sure there is the right balance. And I had no idea who this was. He was John Margrich, the CEO of Cisco. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey there, Lead the Team Nation. Welcome back to another great episode today I have for you, a good one, coming your way Manoj Lilanivas, who is the COO and Executive Vice President over at Juniper Networks, where he's responsible for all products, engineering, and cloud operations. And he also oversees all marketing to align products, Juniper's go-to-market strategy, and execution. Now, Juniper Networks, in case you're not familiar with it, is involved in a lot of stuff, including probably what you're working on today. They have over 10,000 employees in 50 countries and nearly five billion dollars in revenue. He's a leader within the technology industry and the majority of his years of intellectual curiosity and professional leadership have been dedicated to Juniper's vision of connecting everything and empowering everyone. Man, that has a nice ring to it. Manoj, welcome to lead the team, sir. Ben, great to be here. That was quite an introduction. Thank you. Oh, you make it so easy when you have so much to talk about there. But let's start where this podcast, I think, should start today, which is speaking to a fellow podcast host, which you are the podcast, Juniper's podcast called Be Bold, right? Be Bold Podcast. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I enjoy checking some of those episodes out. It's a lot of fun. I love to hear from you. Since you jumped into this podcast hosting realm, what have you learned? I found out that it's a great way to get so many wonderful, diverse talent into this, you know, podcast arena and get them to share those, you know, amazing pearls or nuggets mm-hmm. of wisdom through their professional life, through their early careers, uh, you mm-hmm. know, what happened in their personal life, what challenges and what they learned from it, and the amazing things which everybody probably is going through, but you know, nobody has the audacity to ask. And when some of these folks actually come and share, executive vice presidents, CEOs come and share some of the challenges they went through and how they navigated that, it's amazing knowledge for all the people who are listening to it. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, they become much more human to them. They're just like you. Yeah, I love it. It really does. Podcasting, I, I agree, is com- is so great at humanizing the leader. And let's face it, you know, leaders get put up on pedestals a lot of times by their organizations and they have a lot of responsibility. But when you hear, hear the human side, it can be so much, it can be, uh, it's easier to motivate people. They get to know you as a person and they can relate more. And I think it ultimately, it makes you a more effective leader. Uh, you know, I loved the description in the introduction about your intellectual curiosity. And when I dug behind the scenes and saw your podcast, and I'm like, this ties in perfectly with curiosity, because that's what podcasting ultimately drives the engine. It's totally true. And 
what I found out from, you know, very few and very early in the podcast arena for me, what I found out is that there are some nuggets of wisdom which are better translated through stories. Stories, you know, role models and how people went through it, that mm. remains with you and remains with the audience for a long period of time. You can say what you wanted, what you want from an intellectual point of view for a long period of time, but the stories are the ones which resonate with people because they connect people to real aspects of life. So, so good. And so building on that, what's one of your favorite leadership stories to tell? Oh, uh, my personal leadership story? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Very early in my career, like I was just coming out of college, you know, a little bit of a deer in the headlights, coming to the West Coast of the country for the first time, Hmm. joined a company out of college, company called Cisco Systems, which is a very famous company. I think I've heard of Cisco. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, fresh into the company, trying to figure out how things are going, joined on a midweek, and it was all new. The company, the Mm. West Coast, the culture, everything was new. Uh, And I was trying to kind of absorb, what does this mean Mm. to be in this new company? What do I need to do? And I thought, okay, I'll come in the weekend. Uh, to kind of catch up on stuff, right? Because there's so much to catch up on. I want to learn all of this stuff. I go I go in the weekend in the office and I was trying to catch up on what do I need to do. This is my first week. So it's the first Saturday of that week. And there was this person who I have no idea who that person is um, in, in charge, jogging and just came into the office and just walked by my office. Why are you here on this weekend? I'm just new. I'm just going to catch up on stuff. I just wanted to be here. Well, you don't need to be doing that. You know, you can do all of your best work in five days of the week. You know, you don't need to spend seven days to do your work. So I definitely need to talk to your manager. So like, no, 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 no. I don't want to get anybody into trouble. That's not what I was here for. It was a (laughs) personal thing. But this person really cared for each employee, you know, putting the best piece of work, making sure there's the right balance between life and work. And I had no idea who this was. And then finally, he told me who it is. He was John Margrich, the CEO of Cisco. <laughs> so that was a great way to kind of understand what leadership is all about, because a leader truly cares for the people in the in the in in the in the company, and also want to make sure they do the best work in a way it's something passionate and energetic for them. So that was a great hmm. uh, leadership moment right there, early early in my Boy, career. That, my friends, is an unexpected story. Because, okay, y'all, this is a technology company. There is no real downtime in a technology company, especially Cisco. And you're the new people. You you know, you're the new guy fresh out of college. And I think most leaders are trying to make sure that everyone's working hard and they want to heap praise on the person working on the weekends, working at night. And here, John, I mean, a legendary CEO is telling you, what's the matter? Can't get your work done in five days. What? How? How was that? Bizarre. How has that lesson impacted your career? Um, first of all, it was bizarre because Cisco was a much smaller company at that time. I'm dating myself. It okay. was 1994, early days of Cisco, but still, the lesson stood with me through the entire life. Mm. And it was always uh, about doing work smartly, not doing hard work. You always need to know what is going to impact and get the right sort of outcome. You want to let your teams know, your leaders know what's that really matters in getting to an outcome. 
and do don't deviate from that because it's mm-hmm. very easy to get caught in multiple things to be done and you know everything becomes work instead of that focus on the right work the right work which moves the company forward the right work which moves you forward and that focus part was the lesson which i really got from john mm-hmm. from that uh, you know moment which is that there's always enough time to do the important work if you don't have time it's because you're not prioritizing things right it's the simple lesson ding 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 you're right cuz the work is never ending it's not like you know hey congratulations manoj you're going to come in you, you know you, your work's going to be all done and there's not going to be any work to do no it's it's never ending and so setting your work day up to recognize it's never ending but that you can focus on the priorities first it helps de-stress the situation, puts up nice guardrails on the working relationship. And I think if you, uh, the, the word that comes up for my, in my mind is constraints, like the constraints, I think this is a famous quote, maybe the constraints are our friend or constraints help you do your most productive and creative work because it helps you draw within the lines versus giving you a blank page to just do whatever the heck you want to do. And, it's, and it can be freeing. Couldn't have said that better. Uh, I think we we are all masters of our own destiny in that regard. We decide, you know, we can actually get derailed because if you focus too much on things you cannot control, you can get derailed. But if you yeah. focus on things you can control, then you can make a difference. And then some of the things you cannot control also will work in your favor, right? Over nice. a period of time. You know, fortune favors the brave. Yeah, that's a really good way to think about the prioritization too. Are you going to choose to work on the things you can? Or the things that you can't control and all that. And it, it helps you channel your thoughts when you're after work. I know that uh, when we're thinking about stressful situations at our house and we're talking about it in our family, we'll often ask that question. Hey, are we focusing the conversation on what we can control or what we can't control? And a lot of times, a lot of the stress and worry is focusing on external factors that we can't do anything about. And so I can definitely see where that's so powerful. Uh, to to focus your team. I mean, what is how do you? I mean, what how do you approach your team when they seem to be maybe focusing on the wrong things or seem to be getting worked up or anxious about stuff in business that they can't can't ultimately control? First and foremost, I think you got to be totally transparent with uh, your leaders, your employees, your organization. When you're running a five thousand people organization or a ten thousand people organization. Uh, the natural, you know, inclination is to say, okay, let's just say the minimum possible to make sure that you know people are focused on the right things and not give enough context because you know context means there's more things which need to be sharing. Is mm-hmm. actually you've got to do exactly the opposite. People are smart. You've got to give them all the context you can, right? Because people can understand the decisions if they know the context, the the thought which went behind it. So share. The context, you know, you may not be able to share everything, right? You're a public company or so, you cannot share every every detail. However, you can share enough detail on why you're coming to certain decisions and why something is important. If you mm-hmm. tell them mm-hmm. something is important without the context, you don't get them. Yeah. That's number. So, yeah, good. Yeah, keep rolling. And then when people get to ask you this question, like, okay, now you have the context. And now these are the two, three things, you know, you've got to focus on a company and focus re- focus on it really well. The important thing is outcome. You know, people mm. can get really 
enamored in the activities, right? You know, here is yeah. what I'm doing in my silo. Here is what I'm doing here. So you want to get people oriented towards the outcome and the results. And once the results, outcome, and orientation is there, and people who are doing their best work, and it's super energizing for people, right? Doesn't matter whether the times are good, mm. times are bad, and you got to do a, you know, you have a crisis in the in the midst of yours, and you got to manage through that crisis, but you have that outcome orientation and the energy to do it, then you're good, right? Then you can lead. It's all about leading from the front with that outcome orientation. And that has always worked. Yeah, I love it. And it's 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 so important to focus on the outcomes. How does the work of the individual and your team impact the bigger picture inside the organization? Like you said, be transparent and give them that context for how their work impacts the bigger picture. And you really just gave everybody a crash course and how to get people to do their best work. And like you said too, hey, even in bad times, good times, this is so foundational. Now, I know you're a big fan of mentorship. You've had powerful mentors in your life, including the CEO of Cisco back in the day. Uh, what is your belief about the importance of mentorship? And what's your advice for leaders and how they should approach it? I've been very blessed with uh, a lot of powerful individuals in the industry, right from John Marbridge to Scott Krins, the CEO of Cisco, uh, CEO of Juniper in the early days, to mm -hmm. a variety of different people. I've been really blessed with meeting and working with many of these amazing folks. One thing which hit me really well on this mentorship part is that you don't need to think about mentorship as a very structured you know, here is what the three to-do items I need to do to have a mentor and what you need to do. Sometimes you've got to just let it be organic. Uh, mm. You build a relationship with somebody organically, and then you get to a certain comfort zone. Um, most leaders are willing to share whatever nuggets of freedom, they, uh, nuggets of wisdom they have. And mm. once you have that camaraderie and the trust and you have the humility and self-awareness to ask the questions which you need to ask, you know, without actually feeling, you know, constrained about it, then amazing things happen. So I'm a big fan of organic mentorship. Many of my mentors have been, you know, right from John in a casual exchange, right from the beginning of the career to multiple examples I can give you where, you know, things have been organic and sometimes things have been a little bit more structured too. So you can go either way, but one common theme about mentorship, which I think is super important is that mm -hmm. The power of mentorship in guiding your career is huge. And even in many surveys, I've seen majority of the surveys, I've seen 90% mm. of the employees who've taken a strong mentor or have a strong mentor to guide them feel very satisfied with their work. So there's a strong correlation mm. of mentorship and that. And for me, I'll give you an example. Early in, the, early in my career at Juniper, I was uh, a leader running all of engineering. I was, a, you know, I was a techie. I'm an engineering guy, ran software engineering, was doing very well, running all of engineering for some time. And then I had this epiphany, like, I want to do something different from engineering. I want to do something on the business side. I want to run products and become a GM. So I had this epiphany and I had this like powerful want or need. And the person I went to to have a chat was the CEO of the company, Scott Krenz. And I was, I made myself vulnerable a little bit by saying that, you know, I really want to go here. Uh, but, you know, I don't know what are the opportunities and whatnot. And this is where mentorship really shows. Uh, Scott said, like, you know what? 
you have done amazing work in this thing. I'm willing to take a bet on you on something completely different because I know you'll do your best work and you learn your stuff really well. Wow. And I wasn't prepared mm. for that. Like I was just asking for like, how do I go somewhere? So he wanted me to do head the whole of products. And I said, wow. The best thing I did was I told him like, well, thank you for doing this. But I personally feel I need to do some more work before I get there. And that triggered another conversation, which was, wow. okay, what, what would you do? What would you want to do? So I said, I don't know enough about finance. I don't know enough about governance. I, know, I don't know enough about the NPV calculations and all that stuff. I would love to do a, a crash course executive MBA before taking a role like this, taking a business role. That way I feel confident. Mm. And that worked in my favor again because CEO said like, this self-awareness and openness is what you need for any leader to succeed. So I'm going to wow. to allow you to go to Stanford, do an executive MBA, then come back and do this product role. And then I've never looked back. I was on the business side. So again, this, a, a set of conversations, which was truly how a mentor should be doing, you know, the mentor's work and the mentee also in my side, I'm going to give myself some credit to by being open about what the real elephant at the table, right? Uh, you know, not skirting around issues, what I want to do and what are the challenges I feel I have, I need to overcome. And then the mentor was more than happy to help me out in this situation. So that is a great wow. example. Of, uh, That's life. an incredible story. So you go from, I think I want to try something else to all of a sudden, well, hey, you want to try to run the product side? What are your gaps? And you're like, these are my gaps. And uh, you're like, hey, Stanford MBA program might be a great solution to accelerate that. And boom, what an amazing story. But a, a couple of things specifically jump out at me there. And I think we all can learn from this when it comes to mentors. Number one, you knew what you wanted to do. You may not have thought about Stanford MBA yet, but you thought of, hey, I want to get into the business side. And you were willing to go have that conversation. I think a lot of people would go maybe approach the CEO or your manager even and expect that they can read your mind. I know I've wanted my, you know, when I worked for big organizations in the day, I remember living in the place of my boss should know what I want in my career. And then they should go make it happen. And that was a dangerous assumption. Uh, you know, be willing to do the work to figure that out and then have the courage to start the conversation. Uh, I, I think that's a that's a huge gap because your mentor probably doesn't know what's right for you, but they are maybe more apt to help facilitate it. You know, like in that situation. Flipping, flipping the script there. When you mentor other people, what, what's been a story of when you were able to mentor someone and you really felt like it worked out in a positive way? One of the striking examples which come to me is um, a strong individual um, doing great work in a particular part of the company. Um, and she was uh, feeling like you know she was hitting a certain ceiling in terms of working in that part of the company. And this happens with all large multinational companies. You know, when you have a 10,000, you know, or a 50,000 people organization company, mm -hmm. uh, good talent sometimes find it very difficult to kind of voice the need for doing something different. So mm -hmm. I had a casual conversation, which turned out to be a little bit of a mentorship exercise. And then we followed up with a few conversations where 
I was able to expose that person to other opportunities across the company. And the fact mm -hmm. that you don't need to always think in terms of going up in the career, like it doesn't need to be laterally, it, it doesn't need to be up always, you know, north-south, it can be east-west too. Take these amazing skills you have, you know, mm. in terms of bringing people together, getting camaraderie and getting people to align behind a strategy and go in that one unified direction, which is the strength you have. How can you apply it in many of these other places we have across the company? And let's just look at what are those opportunities. And there were some opportunities which were VP level and higher. And the person asked the question like, you know, well, I'm not an expert in that particular area. My comment to that person was, you're an expert in everything that job needs, except for that domain expertise. Mm. Don't sell yourself short. Go interview for this position and go figure this out. And she interviewed and she got the job. So, wow. Sometimes, you so know, it wasn't a horizontal move. She actually got promoted, but in a different area of the company. That is correct. Wow. Yeah. So sometimes you've got to help people widen their horizons a little bit. Um, and I think usually your direct manager or your direct leadership probably wouldn't be the one uh, people go to for that. So if you have a strong mentor relationship, I think, you know, people can be open about what's possible with my talent. And I think, and people can guide you to places which you would have never thought of. So it's a little bit of the widening mm -hmm. the horizons conversation. So that's another example. So good. And an important distinction there, uh, Manoj, that when you're looking for a mentor, you can talk to your boss, but your boss may not have, you're probably already getting your boss's mentorship to some degree. And that the opening that you that you mentioned there in that great scenario was she was connecting with someone like you who was outside of her boss boss's normal channel. She had visibility of stuff that she didn't and probably her boss didn't. And so for people to be willing to look outside their normal circle of influence or their normal circle of communication to identify mentors. Um, what do you say to people who are like, you know, hey, this, sure, Manoj, you know, you're like an executive, you've got mentorship, you know, you're mentoring others. But here I am today, I'm working in a company and uh, I don't even like, I don't, I don't have a mentor. I'm not even sure where to start. What do you say to that? One of, the, one of the tools we have in our companies, we have created a, a employee connect tool where mm. mentors can sign up and mentees can sign up and ah. bit of a matchmaking. So there are tools now available in most of the companies, tech companies to kind of enable this sort of mentorship mm -hmm. to kind of thrive. Uh, but it doesn't need to be that way. You know, it's, it all takes the courage to raise your hand and say, you know, can I ask you a question? Can you help me guide? Can you can you help help guide me through a particular challenge I have? And I'm still to find a leader who I asked who said, no, I don't have time to do that. Or I'm still to find an opportunity where I said no to somebody. I may have said like, you know, let's just find a time next week or two weeks from now, I don't have the time right now, but let's just have this conversation. So I've never seen anybody say no to an opportunity to help somebody out. So which is why it's kind of a paradox for me, right? When people ask this question sometimes, like, you know, I find, struggle to find a mentor. I'm still to find people who don't want to help people out, right? So I think it's a question of raising your hand at the end of the day. Yeah, and raise your hand. Get it out there. Try it. Uh, People aren't used to rejection. They don't like rejection unless they're in sales. And so they're not used to it. So the idea of getting rejected by 
a more senior person or for a mentor, seems like you're getting crushed, like asking somebody out on a first date or something. But it doesn't have to be that way. And the probability of success is quite high, to your point. Now, um, a, a issue that I think a lot of executives have around mentoring, I want to get your perspective on this, is simply scalability. Want to boost your productivity and decision-making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. You've got, I mean, good grief, Manoj. You've got a big organization you're running here. You know, mentorship, as you've described it to us, is being a one-on-one conversation. You're not going to, I don't care how good your heart is, you're not going to mentor 10,000 people one-on-one. Uh, what, how, how do you think about it, mentorship from an executive standpoint and scalability standpoint? Great question. Uh, you nailed it. There is no way you can scale one-on-one, two-on-one, and stuff like that. This is where I believe there is a huge power in town halls, uh, town halls in different levels, town halls in skip level when you go beyond your leadership team to the next level, town halls in terms of the larger organization, and having frequent town halls where you are answering questions and as part of answering each question, you're also giving a way of thinking. Uh, and what is be, what is the context behind your thinking? I'll give mm-hmm. an example. Uh, you know, most recently in one of the town halls, um, there was a question about, you know, we have X number of resources, we want to do Y number of things. And, yeah. you know, how do we prioritize? How do we do these things? and that is a problem everybody is facing in every facet of life. The, the junior engineer, the junior salesperson, all the way to the executive, right? Executive. So there was an opportunity. That's life. To, that's life. Uh, <laughs> and there was an opportunity to kind First of First professional. Yeah. <laughs> Everywhere in life. Everywhere. <laughs> so there was an opportunity to put in the right context of, you know, how we had to look at 10 different things. And finally, we decided that we're going to focus on three things and do three things really well. So mm. the, Part of emphasis was there is no value in work or life to do 10 things half-ass. You want to do three things really well. And here is the example of what we're doing from a strategy point of view. Instead of focusing on these 10 things we were focusing on before, we're going to focus on these three things and do it really well and become mm. a successful company. And this is how we drew the strategy for this year. And that was an example not about that particular strategy. It was an example of how everybody can look at their work and decide the three things which connect to the strategy, three things connect to what's important in your life. That's what you need Mm. to focus on. So use these town hall forums and sometimes skip level meetings, like where you have 10, 20 people, where you can get a little bit more deeper into some of these topics. So for every question, I feel like, you know, you don't answer the question. You, of course, you have to answer the the context of the question, uh, the the specific question transactionally. But I think you also can empower people with a bigger context of what there is something behind. And that's mentorship Hmm. in some way. It's a multicast mentorship rather than a one-on-one mentorship. Yeah, help them reframe the question. Sometimes it's it's not the right question. We're not trying to do 10 things. We're just not. We're trying to do three things exceptionally well, as you say, not half-ass. Ten. If you want to get three done, well, and I wish the world would operate that, uh, or operate that way, because businesses would operate better, 
with their resources. And I think people would go home at night feeling better about their work because they would actually see more progress versus trying to do 10 things. But it requires such discipline, such leadership. It requires all of us reminding each other what's important around here. Um, Because the shiny object syndrome can just spring up and create so many problems now. Totally agree. And one of the things I was thinking while I was going through this conversation was all mentorship conversations are not fun conversations either, right? Some of them are Mm. tough conversations, right? I can give an example of my personal tough conversation, you know, to just make it live, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. When I was the CEO of the cybersecurity company, Cypher, which is running, you know, you know, when you're running a startup, it's it's a high energy equation, right? You know, everybody's aligned around the same thing. It's hard charging. It's fun, passion, energy, and all that stuff, right? But with every startup, you know, mm. there, you know, you have this idea of building a big company, you know, and sometimes, you know, depending upon market conditions and things like that, it, it may not be a company, it may be a product, and sometimes you may end up being a feature. So you've got to be self-aware of where you are in the life cycle of the company and the capabilities you're bringing mm-hmm. in because you can have the best team in the world, the best idea in the world, but if you don't hit the market timing, you're not going to be a roaring success, right? But mm-hmm. so you have the self-awareness and sometimes, you know, somebody needs to kind of, you know, put a little bit of a hammer on the head. So a great person, you know, one of the board members I had was Irfan Salim, an accomplished security industry veteran. And he he would he would really help me, in, you know, kind of get out of the hubris, Manoj. You know, it, it's a, it's a mentorship conversation. Like you know, you have the hubris, you want to build this company, you want to take this public and whatnot. But you know, the market has shifted, this theme has changed. Now, what you need to think about is what is the right outcome for your employees, your shareholders, you know, investors, really, and the customers. Think mm. in terms of what that outcome is, right? And then yeah. you went on a path to actually, you know, get the company acquired by a larger company, right? So, which is great outcome for folks, but, you know, it was quite different from what I originally anticipated. And these are the tough conversations too, right? And I wasn't prepared for that conversation initially. I said like, no, 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 that's not what I'm driving towards. Somebody had, the mentor had to like say, no, you're full of shit, Manoj. You've got to, you've got to think about this holistically and what's the outcome you're going to drive to. And yeah. if you're not prepared for that, don't come into the mentor mentee conversation, right? Because sometimes people are not wanting to hear about the elephant on the table, right? So, so to me, both parts yeah. work. Right? One is how you actually accomplish something wonderful. Sometimes it's about the reality of, you know, maybe you can't get there, but, you know, you have a different outcome you can target. And having that open, candid conversation is possible in a great mentor mentee relationship. And that, my friend, is a mentor you want to hold on to. Someone that's going to shoot straight. Uh, If the level of trust is not there or if just they're, sometimes you get a mentor and they just don't have that capability. They don't want to hurt your feelings, right? They don't want to, they care about you so much. And that's why I think not going to your boss, not going to friends and immediate family for mentorship, at least not for the cold, hard, direct stuff is important to what you were saying earlier. You got to cast the net broadly. Uh, to be able to find a mentor like that to offer that. And if you do get one, send him a send send him a thank you note or send her a thank you note afterwards. Thank it was you. an absolutely golden to your point. You know, I want to bring this back around to your podcast. I believe podcasting can be a great form of mentorship. Um it, it's it's sort of like putting the town hall on steroids because it can go longer, can be more intimate. 
And I think that's a platform that people underutilize when they think about podcast. They don't think about it. They're talking about maybe the industry. They're talking about current events, but they're not talking about a leader's hard-earned lessons as much, just like the one you've shared. And I think this episode, we focused on mentorship, but you've effectively you've effectively mentored thousands of people by showing up today. What do you think? Very poignant in the way you described it, because I'm, while I was asking this question, I was going through some of my podcast experiences and the amazing individuals I interviewed on those podcasts. Mm-hmm. And it came to life, really, because I think you're a veteran in this, and I can tell <laughs> tell that. Uh, I was just thinking about the one question I typically ask my host on the podcast on Be Bold, which yes. is, you know, what would you, you know, what, what is the advice you would give to young professionals coming into work? Or, you know, what's the advice you would give your younger self today if you had an opportunity? Let's to? hear it. And one thing is that across the board, all the people I've, had in the interview panel, there were a couple of things which is common for everyone in that comment. Mm. Number one was, do not look for that perfect opportunity. You know, take Mm. it as it comes by. Do your best work, you know, and be passionate about what you do and then adapt. Adapt within every changing season and whatnot. Don't fall into this myth of, you know, here is a perfect job waiting for you, right? Whatever job you're starting with, do your best put your best version of yourself to do that work and then amazing things will happen. And it's mm-hmm. almost like, you know, one of the, uh, one of the favorite lines I have from a poet I like is that, you know, there's a saying that don't linger to smell the roses, but walk on. So you can see new roses blooming your way and you oh, can enjoy nice. as you walk by. And so it's a common thing huh. about adaptability and don't get stuck on, Oh, I have to find this perfect thing. Mm. Just keep adapting and you will, do amazing work in your life and you'll do amazing things in your life. Common across everybody I asked. Smelling the roses, but not stopping because appreciate the 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 bloom the additional blooms you're gonna see in your path. I gotta sit with that one for a while, but I really like it. I'm trying to think how how that applies because I, th- I value so much being present and enjoying the moment. But I think when you choose to and then that can get really comfortable when, when things are going well. It's easy to move on when things aren't going well. But when the roses are blooming, it's easy to stop and just, oh, man, just ride this. But learning to sort of, I think of it as also as being comfortable in the uncomfortable as things unfold. That's where learning, that's where growth happens. New situations, choosing to see the beauty in that can compel you forward and keep you from getting kind of stuck in the comfort zone. I don't know. Am I, am I, how, how does that resonate with, with how you're viewing that statement? You you nailed it. I mean, you're a, like I said, you're a veteran in this. <laughs> uh, the key thing is that growth and comfort don't go together, right? So if you like stay on with a particular comfortable thing, uh, naturally there's no growth, right? So you can get, you know, really complacent on something this is really working. And if you kind of stay with that, then you 10 years later, you shouldn't ask the question, like, you know, why didn't you go from here to there, right? But if you're mm. always keeping yourself, okay, do the best work you can and keep yourself adaptable, then you get newer things, new roses blooming your way. <laughs> so that's a great place to wrap this up. 
you have you have given us a great guide for seeking out mentors, being a mentor, being a great mentee, but also mentoring others. And you know, we we touched on a bunch of other topics there, including podcasting, one of my favorite topics. Uh, but I, I tell you, um, your team sounds like a fun place to be. Great to hear that. Ben, it is an absolute pleasure talking to a fellow podcast host. You are a much more experienced veteran in this journey, but uh, it was phenomenal sharing the you know the common experiences as well as going into the topic of super importance in this new world where everything is changing with AI and chat GPT and constant changes happening in the geopolitical world. The mm. power of a mentorship in helping through guide through any aspect of your challenges which you're facing is amazing and i think uh, it's great great to see uh, the opportunity and thank you if you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting do this before you do anything else head over to benfanning.com quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book the quit alternative the blueprint for creating the job you love without quitting you'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.